This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. You can tell me. You can be honest. It's not going anywhere. I'm not going to tell anyone. Have you ever gone to the doctor, maybe with a cold that doesn't seem to go away, and say, can you give me some antibiotics? Something's got to be able to clear this thing up. And then to make matters even worse, whatever antibiotic prescription you're given, you don't take it until it's empty. You start to feel better after three or four days, not on the cold. That's a whole separate situation. But whatever it is, you're given an antibiotic and you don't take it for its entirety because you're feeling better. And this is where we've gotten to. We've gotten to a place where people are getting antibiotics when they don't really need them. They're not taking them properly. And we have created, you've heard it before, a superbug. Superbugs, actually, plural. And for the first time, I think this is, the United Nation thinks this is a serious enough medical situation that they are having a special meeting on this health issue. I think it's only the fourth time in the 70-year history of the United Nations that they want to have a meeting to talk about this rise of drug-resistant germs. This is not news to Jason Tetro. He's a microbiologist, author of The Germ Code. He's my guest this half hour. Hello, Jason. Hello there. I didn't mean to throw anyone under the bus, but I think that's what our society has come down to, that we we want to go to the doctor for a quick fix, and sometimes we're getting the wrong prescription. Well, yeah, uh, or you don't need a prescription at, at all. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a viral infection, uh, antibiotics not going to do anything for you. Um, but, I mean, this is something that's been going on now for well over 50 years. And, and it's funny because um, resistance to antibiotics, we, we knew about it literally like the next day after they became widely available to the public. <laughs> so, How so? Tell me that, Jason. How so? Um, Well, what happens is that you have microbiologists like myself, and Mm -hmm. we're looking at these things in the lab, and we come across something, and then what we do is we go and we publish this in an academic journal, right? Yeah. When was the last time you read an academic journal? Hmm, uh, the last time I couldn't sleep. No, I'm kidding. Oh, 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 that hurts. I mean, it's true, but it hurts. But? But but the thing is, is that that's the thing. They went and they published this in uh, an academic journal saying, oh, wow, look at this. Microbes can resist antibiotics. Hmm, This might be something we might want to think about. And nobody read it. And, of course, antibiotics became uh, sort of the, the savior for everybody who had an infection. So as a result... Um, while the, the, the resistance itself was actually growing in these bugs, uh, nobody was really paying attention until probably around the 1960s, at which point it became very clear that, hey, wait a second, um, you know, maybe someone read the article, I don't know, but they said maybe there's a problem here. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately it was ignored. Now jump 50 years to where we are today, and suddenly you've got 193 nations signing a declaration saying, we got to do something. Well, Jason, I I don't read many of those journals. I'd like to think that the medical community does, and I don't want to point fingers here, but do you think that some of the blame has to lay with doctors that are quick to write prescriptions for patients? 
Oh yeah, I mean that that's sort of common knowledge now that um, for for many many years uh, doctors would just simply uh, you know provide a prescription and, and send the person on their way. Um, the thing is is that. Uh, in the last few years, uh, the Public Health Agency of Canada has been trying to get doctors to stop prescribing unnecessarily, and that's been working to some extent. Um, but the thing is, though, that it's a two-way street when you're in the doctor's office, mm-hmm. right? So if you go into the doctor's office and you're just like, you know, I'm not leaving until I get an antibiotic, eh, yeah. that, that could set up for a really tough thing. So in the last I guess two years, what's been happening is that people have been, like myself, have been coming out and essentially telling people, you know, if you don't need an antibiotic, and, you know, probably 95% of the time you don't, then don't ask for one. Don't put that doctor into that situation. And, and if a doctor does say, you know, this is probably viral, but let's do a test, wait until the test is over. Mm-hmm. And then if it, if it does come back as a bacterium, then yes, they'll have a good idea as to how to treat it. Are there any back, um, antibiotics that actually are effective? Because it sounds like we shouldn't take any antibiotics. Uh, yeah, you see, this is one of the problems is that um, people continually think that, well, we're losing antibiotics, we're going to this post-antibiotic era. And my favorite was uh, the one that happened earlier this year with the MCR that uh, was resisting, you know, the antibiotic of last resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, what few people forgot to hear, though, was the fact that when we say last resort, it's because we don't give it to people because it's really toxic. Yeah, yeah. That's what they meant by last resort. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have numerous bacteria uh, that are sensitive to a wide variety. You know, there's about 12 different types of antibiotics. There's about a hun- more than 100 names of, of antibiotics. But when we say resistance, what we're talking about is one particular type can no longer be effective. And that's okay because that's naturally found in the environment. Actually, antibiotic resistance is inside you and me. It's inside, um, you know, tribes in the Amazon jungle who have never seen an antibiotic prescription. Uh, It's when it starts to become more than one antibiotic. And this is what we're running into is that all of a sudden, you know, it may not work against, uh, you know, penicillin may not work. So you move on to some other thing, but then that's not going to work. And then you start going through the list of those 12 Mm. different types until you get to a point where you can't use any of them, what we call pan resistance. And we're already starting to see that. Uh, not surprisingly, in one of the bugs that was well-known for creating resistance back in the 1970s, gonorrhea. Wow. And I yeah. remember I remember having small children, and sadly, they had ear infections. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, we were given antibiotics. And that was kind of around the time where, oh, gosh, don't give your kids any antibiotics. Yeah. Can, we, can we even say that we shouldn't give our kids antibiotics if they're going through something like a bacterial ear infection? Well, the thing is, is that when it comes to, you know, something like a bacterial ear, ear infection or a bacterial urinary tract infection, um, sometimes you're going to need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're sort of trying to tell people that if it is unnecessary, don't ask for it, because there are going to be times where children um, or presidential candidates have yeah. ear infections yeah. and are going to need antibiotics. Uh, and so the thing is, is that when you get to that point, and then you unfortunately have to tell this poor mother that we don't know if we have anything that's going to work, um, that's going to be troublesome. Yeah. 
Now, then, then tell me the other side of it, because as I said in my introduction, we receive these prescriptions and we don't always use them in, in their entirety. And then what happens there? Is that that same thing that you really, truly haven't killed the bug, so it allows that bug to build up that resistance? Yeah, so what happens is that when you have um, a, a microbial infection, um, it creates a colony, what we call a biofilm. And so what has to happen is, much like uh, for those people who watch, you know, Game of Thrones or Spartan or something, you know how you have, like, layers and layers and layers of troops? Mm-hmm. Well, you'll take out the top, the front lines of the troops, but the other ones behind there may not actually be affected. And eventually, they're going to have the ability to develop resistance. So what you need to do is you need to take those antibiotics throughout the entire course in order for you to not only wipe out the front lines, yeah. because you're going to feel better, but yeah. you're going to have to wipe out all the others until you get to the general. And then at that point, you can be comfortable that things are working out well. Jason, I'm getting a number of texts on this, and sure. I want to throw a few questions at you after the break. Hold on for a second, all right? All righty. Jason Tentro, he's a microbiologist, author of The Germ Code. And yes, of course, you can always text us. The new text number is 403-974-8255. That's the number you can call as well if you have any questions. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. We're back after this. Talking about antibiotics this half hour and whether or not we are too quick to take them, doctors are too quick to prescribe them, it's got to the point where the United Nations today is holding a special meeting just on this health issue, the rising concern over the drug-resistant germs. Jason Tetro is a microbiologist, author of The Germ Code. And Jason, I'm getting a number of texts here and questions. One person is saying... I don't get the flu shot and the antibiotics I have had to take work for me, wondering if there is a connection between antibiotics and the flu shots we receive. Is there any connection? These are two, or are they two completely different conversations? Oh, yeah, no, they have absolutely nothing to do with one another. (laughs) Yeah, good. Well, you know, and and the only reason I'm throwing it out there is because we are in this anti-vaccine period. So if you are hearing people say, oh, don't watch how many antibiotics you take. Well, what about the vaccines that were given? So you can understand how that conversation happens as well. Oh, yeah. No, I've been involved in many of those types of conversations. And uh, what I find interesting is that when when we start talking about vaccines as opposed to antibiotics, you have to realize you're actually training your immune system to do something later on. Whereas when you're taking an antibiotic, it's immediate in the real time, taking out whatever bug happens to be there. Mm. So when we talk about this special meeting with the United Nations... Are they going so far as to say we should stop prescribing them or we should just look closely at how we use them too much? Um, I, right now, it's, it's more about you know, education of uh, health professionals and also the public on um, you know, proper prescribing, just everything what you've been talking about so far. Um, but one of the other things that they're trying to do is they're trying to encourage um, you know, countries and manufacturers and other people to figure out how they can um, you know, make more antibiotics that are going to be more effective or to look at alternate means, uh, you know, viruses, uh, natural uh, 
enemies of bacteria, uh, that's one option. Or, or antimicrobial peptides, these are things that even our bodies produce, and if you mass produce them, you'll be able to kill these bugs and they can't develop resistance. So those are the types of things that the, um, uh, the UN, uh, I'm used to saying the World Health Organization, because exactly. they've been doing this for years. Right, right. I was thinking the same thing, but yeah, the UN in this case. But yeah, it's actually the UN now, yeah. so that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's sort of where the UN is, is at at the moment. They're just trying to take that step, take that declaration so that everybody's on the same page and we start moving forward. As to how to do that, it's going to take some time, and I'm already hearing about some ideas that make me cringe. So, Oh, I don't like that. Well, I mean, the idea of, you see, one of the reasons we don't have more antibiotics is because um, the drug companies have figured out that it's not profitable. Right. And that's I, true. Right? I'm glad you're going down this road. Yes, continue. Yeah. But the thing is, is that we're actually hearing people saying that, well, then government should be subsidizing pharmaceutical companies to be able to make these, knowing full well that in doing so, they're only going to be useful for maybe a couple of months to a couple of years anyways. Wow. And I'm thinking, no, we can't really do that. I think we should be examining ways that are not going to end up in, you know, with resistance and maybe start funneling the funds into that direction. Um, but I'm not in New York at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Jason, I got a couple of texts here. Mary says, doctors don't even know when it's viral or bacterial. I've heard, I've had, wait a second, I've had fever and green discharge. Okay. Sorry, sometimes when people text, they miss words or add words, so I'm, I apologize. I have heard fever and green discharge equates to bacterial, then earaches are all viral, then could have infection in the middle ear caused by bacteria after a while. I feel for the mums with screaming babies and toddlers whose eardrums are about to burst at 3 in the morning. And even cough syrup is now bad for kids. And this texter, Mary, just says, geez. But so, you know, I, I think she's just saying there is just this confusion, too, when it comes to what truly is bacterial or viral. And maybe it goes back to your comment that we sometimes just have to take the time to truly test what it is. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that, you know, when, when you sort of get to become a bit more um, understanding of what's going on and you hear, oh, well, it's green, then you know that it's something called myeloperoxidase, which is actually something your body is producing. Whereas if it's kind of yellowish or kind of orangish, then there's probably a bacterium there. Also, the smell will give you an idea as to what's there. But the fact is, is that it's really difficult to do until you get a sample. Yeah. <laughs> and if you get a sample, <clears throat> you can give that to a laboratory who's going to do a far better job than your nose or your eyes in being able to identify what the cause is. And again, this may end up causing a couple of days of wait. Um, and and I, I, I do feel for parents. But the fact is, is that even if you give an antibiotic, it's still going to take a day or two before anything works out. So at the end of the day, you're going to be stuck with this poor, unfortunate child. Um, but wouldn't it be better to make sure that the child is taken care of properly as opposed to, um, you know, treating that person and then realizing that it's just not working? Yeah, another one from Mike says, Ange, I disagree with your guess that the patient should not ask for an antibiotic so as to not put the physician in an awkward position. The average patient does not have the proper knowledge to make an informed decision and should not be taken into account. It's the physician with 10 years plus training that needs to take leadership and decide where antibiotics are indicated. Yeah, exactly. In other words, don't ask. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that this is coming from America because every time you see a pharmaceutical um, drug being promoted on TV or on the radio, they say, ask your doctor for. Yeah. Well, the yeah. thing is, is that in Canada, we don't have that. So don't ask. 
let the doctor talk with you. Talk about your symptoms. Don't talk about treatment. Mm. That's what the doctor's there for. Mm. I've got a couple of calls here, but let me see if I can get Marianne on the line. Hey, Marianne. Hi. What's your question for Jason? Um, actually, it's not a question. It's just more of a, a relating of an incident that happened. And before I tell you about it, I just wanted to say I have a doctor who retired, and she told me herself that a doctor cannot look in your throat and tell you whether you have strep or not. There has to be a test taken. And I have heard, and I've heard people say to me, oh, I went to the doctor and they gave me prescriptions. They said I've got strep. Well, that's not true because they never had a test done. However, I went to the doctor one time with a sore finger and my intent was to get some cream for it. Um, And the doctor insisted on giving me a prescription and I didn't even want one. So the point that you're making that the patients ask for it, I don't think that's always the case. Well, and, and obviously, Marianne, thanks for that. And uh, Jason, you're not saying that every patient goes in there and asks for an antibiotic. No. You're just saying that that's one way of looking at the, the rise in antibiotic use or abuse, so to speak. So it's a conversation that both sides have to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, that. That situation, that scenario happens all the time. By the way, the people who are asking for antibiotics um, used to be 66% back in the 1990s. It's now down into the 30%, so many more, many less people are asking, but it's still not you know, zero. Mm-hmm. And as for the doctor who gives um, an oral uh, antibiotic instead of an antibiotic cream, uh, is probably thinking that there's a risk for sepsis or flesh-eating disease or something along those lines. But I say that now, if this had happened 10 years ago, the doctor probably didn't care. Uh, That's how things have changed, and that's why this awareness is so important. Yeah, Jason, and I'm glad we were able to talk about this. Thanks so much for joining us in the conversation. Uh, It was a pleasure, and and any time you want to keep talking about it, I'm around. We've got you on file. (laughs) Jason Tatro, he's a microbiologist, author of The Germ Code. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.